And so the story begins with a beautiful, heavenly butterfly named Hallie Grace. Butterflies represent colors, joy, and change, and this story has it all. Hallie Grace was born with a rare genetic connective tissue disorder called junctional epidermolysis bullosa. EB is often called the worst disease you've never heard of. Although her earthly trip was short, her journey continues to fly high. Honey butterfly Welcome to the Grace, Grief, and Grit podcast. I am your host, Dee Daniels, and we are all here to tell a wonderful story, and thank you for being a part of it. Let's talk about our, our interesting people that are going to be a part of this story and introduce ourselves. Like I said, I'm your host, Dee Daniels, and Ann and Joe Davis are here for our first episode to talk about the wonderful story of Hallie Grace Davis and all of the wonderful things that you're going to hear in this story. I'm sure will touch you in, in many, many ways. And I'm hoping that you will share this podcast with someone you know. So Ann and Joe Davis, let's start with how we all met, because I think it's a very interesting story. Um, we met at a networking event, actually. Yes. And, you know, it was one of those things where you're at a networking event and you're already, you're thinking, okay, I'm the most awkward one here, right? Right. I mean, it's got to be someone else that's feeling as awkward as I am. Um, And and then I I meet you guys and we realize you were also feeling as awkward. I was going to say that we were more awkward than you maybe. It's a shared feeling, right? It was a shared feeling Um, for sure. But moments after meeting you, I realized as your story started to unfold, uh, just how just how moved I was in the moment of meeting you and how much it was almost divine yeah. that we all met at that yeah. particular time. Serendipity. Yeah, it yeah. really, really was. So I'd love for you to unfold your story. Sure. So basically what I remember is that uh, we had recently joined the chamber. Mm-hmm. And so we had gone to, that was our first event. So again, very awkward didn't know what we were doing. Right. Um, we had just started a nonprofit uh, in memory of our daughter, Hallie Grace. And the main reason we were going was to tell people about a big fundraising event that was coming up. So obviously we'll talk about that later. Right. Um, but we had little business cards printed out um, about that event and as well as Hallie's story and her website and everything like that. So we were just kind of raising awareness of what we had been through recently, Mm -hmm. um, which was the death of our daughter. And by recent, it was very recent, recent, actually sometime in spring of 2022. And so Hallie had passed away September of 2021. So we're talking, you know, maybe six months before. Right. So it was all very fresh. Obviously, why my brain can't remember. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's what struck me. Uh, one of the many, many things that struck me. I, I, you have that moment where I'm meeting these wonderful people and they're sharing their story with us. And I'm realizing they've lost their child. Mm. And I'm also realizing it was very recent. And so the next thing that pops into my head is how are they standing here at all? <laughs> you know, how do you 
go to the next day and how do you go to an event and how do you start a nonprofit and how do you have it, how how there was just these billboards of how that was going across my mind uh, when I was standing in front of you guys and just enamored at your strength to be standing there. I think just this need to tell our daughter's story, what she went through and what so many other kids that like her have to go through on a, on a daily basis and what so many parents have to go through because nobody knew, knew, nobody knows about our story. Nobody knows about what Hallie and so many other kids go through. Literally, I say literally, but well, once we talk about more of it, but you'll, you'll understand, but nobody, nobody knows about it. So it's just this drive, this desire to let people know that, that this is out here and, and people are suffering. And that right. something needs to be done. Right? Yes, absolutely. Right. right. Yeah. Let's take a moment and introduce the person you will not hear from right. on the podcast. Who is Hallie Grace? Hallie Grace. She is our second child. So we have a toddler as well named Brielle, um, who is an amazing big sister. And then who you we, might hear on occasion. Who you might in the hear background. in the background. That's right. <laughs> and then we got very quickly pregnant with our second child. Um, so it was a little unexpected. It was unexpected. but So we, we prayed about whether to have a child or not. And then we decided, all right, well, we'll just stop praying and we'll just... Go, we'll just see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll and see then, what God and then, does. And then very quickly after that. I was pregnant um, with Hallie Grace, yes. who um, basically I had a wonderful, uh, very healthy pregnancy, even though I was high risk because of my age and everything. Everything was going very well. We found out that she was a little girl. Um, we basically started planning to have sisters, two healthy little girls. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we still hadn't decided on her name. We had narrowed it down. But just like with Brielle, we waited until we met her to name her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Hallie Grace was on the list, but we weren't quite sure. There were other, other options out there. So I went in and gave birth, and she came out. And instantaneously, I actually remember gasping at how in love I felt in that moment and how much I already felt like I knew her. Mm which was very different than Brielle. And both Joe and I knew pretty immediately that her name was Hallie Grace. I mean, it was in the OR when I was having my C-section that we made that determination. She was just was Hallie Grace. She was Hallie Grace Davis. Um, Hallie means praise be to God. And Grace, uh, as her middle name, was basically named after me because my full name is Anna, which means full of grace. So that's where the name came from, and it just was very fitting. When she came out, however, um, surgery went perfectly. Everything was good, but the doctors noticed a few blisters on her. So I got to, while Anne was being um, put back together, for lack of better phrasing, um, you know, I got to go over to her while they were, you know, doing all the infant, like all the newborn checks, you know, and... You know, I'm overwhelmed and excited, but, you know, I notice the blisters that she has, and I noticed that her fingernails did not look anything like what Brielle's fingernails looked like. And so, 
I'm, it, you know, it's so many emotions at that point where I'm super happy and excited, but then I'm like terrified because I don't know what it, it's like. I don't know what this is, and I'm probably and I'm telling myself, well, this you know every every pregnancy is different, every baby is mm-hmm. different. Mate, this is probably just normal, and you know, we'll, it'll be can, fine. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't fine. So basically, at that point, they told us that they needed to take her to the NICU to figure out what was going on, and um, I was able to kiss her goodbye and that was it. So then I, I couldn't see her for another 12 hours cause I had a spinal and Joe was able to go visit her in the NICU. But what I do remember is an hour after she was born, the um, neonatologist came in and said the words that we will never forget, which is epidermolysis bullosa or EB for short. Um, was I, that something you had ever heard of before? Ever ever because i feel like you know when you say it now it just it rolls off because you've said it so many times (laughs) so many times we we mispronounced it for like weeks yes well and then we know now knowing you guys you know for as long as we have now i've said it so many times that yes that it's a very normal thing to come off but it's interesting when you say it to other people and most people have not heard of it the first response is i'm sorry what that's like you don't even understand it that is exactly what my response was. And I'm pretty sure Joe's was as well. We both kind of just had this blank, like, okay. But her face told us a lot. The doctor's face. Um, we, or at least I, I, I should only speak for myself in this, but I remember looking at her face and knowing it wasn't good. And she said they wanted to run more tests. They needed to figure out exactly what the diagnosis was, like by doing some genetic testing and that kind of thing. Um, and not to worry, you know, but of course I worried because I'm the mom, he's the dad, like this is our kid that we're talking about. And that's a long name. And I think <laughs> the longer the name of a diagnosis, the more scary it sounds. Oh gosh. Yeah. Right. Like Absolutely. when it's a long name like that, that you've never heard of, you're just kind of like, well, what are we actually dealing with here? Like the unknown was terrifying. Um, and it should have been like, it was rightly so terrifying. So EB, which we'll talk about in a much more detail through this podcast, but, um, it is known as the worst disease you've never heard of uh, for a reason. It is a very cruel genetic condition. Um, it has a wide variety of things, but it, you know, no one's heard of it. And so no one really knows to act for it, to work towards a cure, because if you haven't heard of something, you can't fix it. So, The next thing I remember is that um, a couple doctors told us it was, quote unquote, just a skin condition Mm -hmm. to try and calm us down. And it is a skin condition, but it is a lot more than that. Um, And then I remember people telling us there was no treatment and no cure. And my mind literally couldn't process that, that in 2021, there's medical conditions out there. EB is not alone in that. There's actually many medical conditions out there, specifically rare genetic conditions that they don't have treatments or cures for. And I just remember thinking, how is that possible? Like how did it, no treatment even like there's nothing we can do for our little girl. Mm. And that was, I think the moment that I had my first panic attack. Probably I had many. Yeah. Yeah. Probably your first. Yeah. That was probably my first. Um, and so Basically, Hallie was in the NICU for a week. They got her medically transferred to another facility with a bigger dermatology staff. And um, 
blisters continued to form. They did genetic testing, which took about four weeks to get the results of. We were able to take her home after one week in the NICU. um, And after we spent hours with her dermatologist learning how to care for her skin and basically become nurses. And then we took her home. Um, We got her involved with many medical teams. So we actually had, you know, doctors at multiple facilities that would see her. We had to look at her GI stuff because we had to make sure she was getting enough nutrition. She had a lot of wounds because as the blisters formed, they would become wounds on her body and those wounds express fluid. And so she would lose a lot of electrolytes and nutrition and her body would, would need a lot of extra calories to help her fight all of this and, and heal. So it was just a whole other world. Um, and all of this was happening so quickly and it was still like, it was still forming on her body. It was still like happening. It wasn't like, you know, two blisters came out and then it stopped and you had to treat that. It was constant. Yeah. And just to, so EB, um, is a condition that affects the, um, connective tissue, um, and your mucous membranes. So, uh, with your skin being the largest organ in your body, you can imagine how debilitating that can be for someone. But so basically, you've got these connective tissues or basement membranes that hold different layers of your skin to, together, and depending on the type of EB you have, will deter- determine where your issue is. But these, she, the EB means that you're, you're, you've got an issue with a protein that's holding your skin together, and without that proper protein your skin or the Velcro is, is that's holding it together is not really there. It's not working right. Mm-hmm. So any sort of friction, shearing motion, you know, heat mm-hmm. can create a blister just like you would get a blister from friction in a pair of shoes with no socks on. Right. But it just happens super fast. It's just, yeah, just the simple act of wearing clothes <laughs> can create a blister. So um, that was something that just, it's kind of unfathomable to think that, you know, so... Yeah. Just the sheer act of wearing clothes or just by wearing a diaper. I was going to say, think about kid. it being a, a diaper or a baby you know, and having a diaper that you have to wear. Yeah. Your blisters are being created just by the sheer, just by living. Yeah. Essentially. Just by living. Even some blankets would create blisters. Yeah. I was going to say, like, how did you even like put her down on something and how Carefully. did the surface not effect and i mean it was like there was no way not to there was no way irritate what was going on correct you couldn't protect her and that was the hardest thing um we couldn't hold her the way we wanted to everything we put her on had to be a certain thing without seams i mean you had to think about even potentially putting clothes on inside out so that seams wouldn't hit her Mm -hmm. um i mean it was really like you know if she had been burned and what you would do as a burn treatment for skin, except for the fact that her burn kept happening. It was constant. It was constant. Yeah, yeah. It just kept getting more and more and more. Um, and so, I mean, we literally would do bandage changes that took hours every couple of days. We did diaper changes that took, you know, an hour to start with. I think we got them down to about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But as a parent of other children, I can tell you normal diaper changes are less than a minute. So <laughs> 30 minutes for a diaper change is ridiculous. It's life altering. Yes. Yeah. And you had to have two people. It was rare that you could change that diaper by yourself because somebody had to hold her in a very 
careful way. The only place we could ever figure out was her feet, Mm -hmm. was to hold her by her feet um, so that she wouldn't kick the diaper everywhere. And Mm. you had to, you know, put it on loosely. So there was a lot of leakage that happened. I mean, it was just a nightmare. Um, We ended up buying, we went to Joanne Fabrics one day, I remember, and bought like a whole bunch of whole bunch like soft fabrics, um, some silk type stuff. I mean, just things that we could use to lay her on. You know, when we use that, to, you know, because your diaper, you know, has all this elastic on it. Yeah. To hold all the stuff out, in, right? Cover and it. So, you know, we're ripping elastic out and then we realize that didn't work. And so we're putting all this fabric in different parts of her diaper and that didn't work because that was making it hot. And then we tried these di- different diaper inserts. We went through a whole bunch of things to try and make her diaper area to try and heal it. Uh, at least we, a little bit. We, at least, yeah, we went through so many things um, until we finally settled on something that was not the worst. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was, I don't know if it was great, but it was not the worst. It was the lesser of the evils. I mean, you were figuring something out, uh, you know, about what was going on with your child probably in the most fragile time mm-hmm. of ever, you know, having this child the most fragile time and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure all this out and how not to hurt her more and yeah you know and at the same time we're talking what you're still just a few weeks in oh yeah this was like the first four weeks of her life if not earlier i mean so you know having a newborn is stressful enough <laughs> Um, and I can tell you that because we have another one now right um, <laughs> <laughs> so just having a healthy newborn you know, you have hormones and then we're introducing to big sister and then it's just integrating into the household and the family and you're losing sleep and all of these things. And then you have this child who literally you can't do anything quote unquote normally. Mm-hmm. Um, feeding her was a task. We had to get special bottles. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't really breastfeed her because it would create blisters in her mouth. Um, I mean, it was just Hallie went through a lot. We went through a lot. Our family went through a lot. Um, we were incredibly blessed to have a really big support system, including both sets of grandparents. And so we had a lot of extra help, especially with Brielle. So we were able to focus on Hallie. But in that time frame, we bonded with that baby uh, because we were literally her lifeline. Uh, we were trying to prevent infections and sepsis and all kinds of things. And basically, it was a fight for her life from the day she was born. And then about five weeks in, we found out uh, the type of EB that she had, which is the rarest type. It's called junctional EB. Um, it's less than 5% of the cases, and it is the most terminal. Why did it take five weeks in? That's a great question. <laughs> You know, I think that's a that's a the valid yes. question, right? After your your yes. four weeks of, of of fighting and and trying to be so careful and and not knowing exactly where this is going, yeah, was it just testing? Was it? Yeah, that's just um, how long apparently it takes because especially with EB being so unknown, there's only a few genetic companies out there um, that even know how to test for it, and so. You know, we didn't even get the genetic test ordered until she was about three days old. And then they have to run through the entire genome, basically. They have to look at all these different components. And with Hallie, so with junctional EB, both parents carry a mutation. So that's why it's the rarest, because you have to have a mutation on both sides to create it. Um, Other types of EB, it only takes one. And so it can be a little bit more 
I wouldn't say common because it's still a rare condition, but for EB, it's a more common type. Not as rare as the... Not as rare right. as junctional. Right. So I think also what took so long is that Joe's mutation actually has never been documented before. So they literally had to... They didn't just have to look at the most common junctional EB genetic mutation locations. They actually had to comb her entire sequence, which... From what I understand with the geneticists, um, one of the proteins anyway that is missing potentially uh, is like 1,300 amino acids long. Mm. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And it, it, yeah, it was like 1,300 amino acids long for that one protein, and it she only had like 656, is that right? Or 635. She 35. Yeah. yeah. So at the 600, so this is actually my mutation, but it just gives you an idea. Um, so... Real quick genetics lesson, but <laughs> this amino acid has over 1,300, or this specific protein has over 1,300 amino acids. With my genetic mutation, there's what's called a stop codon. And so at number 635, it literally has like a stop sign and it stops producing the rest of them. Hmm. So she was missing the other, I can't do math, but like 700 and something <laughs> amino acids, which is why her skin was so fragile. And then in Joe's mutation, his was actually a deletion, and so it actually shifted everything, and so all of these amino acids were formed incorrectly on his side. But the genetic testing took so long because with his never being documented, it's not like they just looked at minus one of the most common ones, so they could have just easily been like, okay, she has this junctional mutation that we see a lot. And with his, I mean, they had to really like deep dive. So it was not a quick process. And um, it was not like there, the, even the report was not even, you know, definitive. It, I right. mean, they have to say it, you know, appears that it's pathogenic, pathogenic, junctional, like, like because, severe, right. Terminal. Based, and that's, you know, based on where my genetic code is and all of that. Right. But they couldn't, because it had never been detected before, they couldn't even officially tell us if it was what's known as the severe type of junctional or the um, non-severe type. The non-severe type, you actually can live a longer life. The severe type, you don't make it past one or two years old. So we didn't still have a lot of information other than we knew it was terrifying. <laughs> and you didn't have a timeline. No. No. Which, I mean, do you want a timeline is right. a question. That's a question. But you didn't have one. Right. So you were looking at five weeks in at this point, and where did the timeline go from there? Basically, it was day to day, and it was a fight every single day. It was, I remember being on the phone with her amazing doctor and crying because junctional was the absolute last type we wanted to hear. Like, even if she had the non-severe type, it was still a really horrible type of EB. Um, and I remember crying with her doctor, and her doctor just said, all we can do is stay ahead of it each step. So, you know, let's get her in with these other doctors. Let's like jump on things now and see if we can, you know, stay ahead. So it was basically looking like our life was going to be a constant race to stay one step ahead of this condition. And that was a lot to take in. Mm. I mean, I was thinking of, you know, will she ever get married? Will she... What will she do for her career? Will she need constant nursing help? Like, what is? what are we talking about? You were here? way down the line. I was way down the line. Where were you, Joe? What's happening today? Mm. What's going on tomorrow? I, like, I couldn't think that far because it was, 
I was just too focused on, you know, trying to take care of her now. I was maybe more optimistic than Anne because Anne has this a very special connection to Hallie. So I, I was thinking that it wasn't severe because we didn't have that answer. So my thought was that we're just going to work every, every day mm-hmm. and we're going to, and she's going to get through it and she's going to continue and it's going to be a struggle, but she's, it's not severe. And, and then it you know, turns out that's what it was. Yeah. Essentially we spent then the next almost two months, um, literally fighting for her every day, every second of every day through the nights. I mean, everything was centered on Hallie Grace and I really thought she might make it. I mean, I think, I don't know if we were in denial or what, but. Well, yeah, we were, we were in denial. Yeah. I mean, we didn't see the signs that were coming. Um, and they were there, they were there. So one thing that we're very blessed by is that we did get to see Hallie Grace smile. And a lot of kids with EB, um, they don't live long enough to show Mm. that. And so because she lived three months and three days, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, she hit that mark where she was smiling. She started to coo. We got to interact with her a little bit and see her beautiful heart and her personality come out. Um, and I will never forget her smile. I mean, she was, she would just draw anybody in, even through photos. She just attracted everyone to her. Um, she also had very wise eyes and we'll I'm sure talk about that a million times too, but I'm really glad that we got to see that because one of the signs was her smile stopped and I just thought it was a phase. I thought that we were going through some sort of extra pain we need to push through and see a pain doctor and see how we can make her more comfortable and what we also didn't see was the light in her eyes start to go out. Um, and it's really interesting because after she passed, I mean, we, we both would go back and look at photos and, and you can see the decline pretty clearly in the pictures. Um, she stopped really looking like herself. I say she had one foot in heaven already. Mm. And that's a really hard thing as a parent to look back on because if I had known it was coming, are there all these other things I would have done different? that we would have done different. Um, and I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I don't know, but basically towards the end, she was in excruciating pain to the point where it looked like she was having seizures. Uh, we had to take her to the ER. They did a very, um, adaptive EEG. So we had to really watch the adhesive stuff that went on her scalp Mm. and had to be very creative. And luckily they worked with us on that. And then, that was actually one of the moments I felt like we had to advocate for her a lot because a lot of these nurses didn't really know how to interact with her and how to handle her skin. And they were all incredibly helpful and um, wanted to learn. So we were very, again, lucky at our situation. But it was a lot of advocating, a lot of um, pushing for her to get different tests done because I just knew something was wrong. Something was just very, very off. I was going to say, how did you know how, how did you know how and what to advocate, right? Like how yeah. other than just sheer instinct, parental instinct, yeah. like you had not, you really didn't know where yeah. it was going or, or what we would, should look for. Yet you had the 
wherewithal and the instinct kick in. And I think that's such an interesting thing to talk about because I think, you know, becoming that powerful advocate in that moment is just something that I think comes up out of you when it's time. And you, we'll talk about this more in future episodes as well, but I mean, you as a parent know your child. And so, yeah, we didn't know what to look for in terms of the end of EB, but we knew it wasn't Hallie. We knew her enough to know that like something was seriously wrong. And we did advocate for a lot of stuff, but it's still, it was never going to be enough. Um, she was actually scheduled to have a G tube placed the next day. We were actually going to drive her to Philadelphia to get it done at the children's hospital there. Um, and that was the day she died. She never made it. And I've spoken with the doctors at that hospital. Cause obviously we have a lot of what ifs that come up after you lose a kid after you lose anyone, I think grief just comes with a lot of what ifs. And one of the main questions that we needed to have answered was, would the G tube have saved her? And the answer was no, it would have potentially prolonged her life, but prolonged what quality of life. So there's a lot of EB is a really, um, cruel beast because there is a lot of opposite emotions that you have. There's a lot of like, I'm glad she didn't have to suffer long. We talk about this all the time. She was in such excruciating pain that part of me is happy for her. And then there's the, I can't even say how devastating because there are no words to describe how devastating a loss of a child is. And I will be the first one to cry. The heartbreak is just, it's, it's life altering. There's now, uh, you know, there's an after Hallie Ann and there's an after Hallie Joe and a before Hallie Ann and Joe. Like the, you just, you're not the same human anymore when you lose a kid. You're different. You're different because a part of you dies with them. Hmm. And so, you know. I cried at the Paw Patrol movie. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> that's how different I am. Yes. Yeah. Like I am super sensitive to just. Things. All the things. Oh, yeah. All the yeah. Things, yeah. Like Paw Patrol makes me cry. Yeah. Well, it is it is a sad part of the movie, but I mean But I know. I think with the you know, let's talk a little bit about the grief piece, and that's something that's actually uh, you know, going to be a a topic that we talk about here and there mm-hmm. in future episodes as well. But I think that a lot of people would like to understand most of humans would like to understand <laughs> how, how to deal with grief. How do you deal with it? How, how can we deal with, you know, we all ask those questions. How can we deal with it better? How can we face it better? How do you get through it? What, what are your answers to the, how do you get through it? Do you get through it or That's does it just question. change you? It just changes you. Um, but I do think it really, it's interesting that you asked that question because it kind of brings us full circle to what you first talked about, which is how we met and how you had all those questions of how are they doing this, right? My answer to that first is you don't ever get through it. You move forward, but not on, but you do function. You learn to function and the how you do that is by finding purpose would be my answer especially if you've lost a loved one, to me, you find purpose in that loved one or for that loved one, that loved one becomes your motivation. Um, I actually was talking to you before we started recording tonight 
and saying something that came out of my mouth today on a phone call with a, a fellow rare disease mom um, that kind of surprised even me. And it, I basically was talking about how we formed the nonprofit. We are doing all this stuff to fight EB because it's our only way of continuing to raise Hallie Grace. We can't parent her physically anymore, um, but we can parent her legacy. We can raise her legacy. And that's how we do it. Hallie is how we do it. And I also just want to point out, we don't do it well all the time. Like, I think that's important for people to realize. Like, we have many, many, many triggers and meltdowns and opposing emotions and we feel all the things and we cry and we don't handle stress well and we cry at Paw Patrol and, you know, it's definitely a journey. There's no destination. You basically every day are just trying to get through that moment, that day, that second of time, right? Yeah. It's, um, I get, I'm just always aware of our situation <laughs> now. And an easy example is I was on the phone with a coworker the other day mm. and we we're about to hang up the call and she asked, Hey, how, Hey Joe, how's the baby? And I said, great. Everything's good. Blah, we blah, should blah, say blah. we have a new baby. Yeah. I yes. thought you did. I didn't really specifically say that, but well, yeah, we got it. We got we, a new baby. We have a newborn. Yeah, he's, you know, she asked about the new baby, and I, you know, I said everything's great, blah blah blah. But you know, in the back of my head, like I'm telling myself, but I also have Hallie. Or you don't forget about her. Mm -hmm. But yet I also have Brielle, and I'm not upset that she didn't ask about Brielle. But yeah. but I'm like it. I'm not upset. But I'm so it's it's weird. It's like but th thanks for asking about. But don't forget. I was like, I don't want people to forget about yeah. Hallie because she's not here. Like, I think that's an interesting point you bring up because I feel like a lot of people who have lost someone in their life and a lot of parents who have lost a child mm -hmm. will f find a way to make sure the presence of that child or the presence of that person is still known. Yes. You guys seemingly do a great job at that. There are a lot of family pictures that you put out yep. that you include Hallie's picture Absolutely. with you in that picture. It, you know, it seems like that's something that is forefront yeah. for you. I will say like, I think that's a newer, um, acceptable thing in society or it's becoming an acceptable thing in society. Um, we, I'm sure at some point we'll address this as well, but my mother also lost a child. So I lost a brother when I was younger and, she and I have talked a lot um, about how when she lost him, it was just very taboo to continue to talk about him. And I can't imagine her going through that. That's so difficult. And, you know, I'm a member of a whole bunch of loss support groups on Facebook or other social media. Uh, and one of the main things I hear a lot is that people are so upset that somebody didn't mention their child who is passed on or, or, um, told them to stop talking about their child specifically. Um, they think of that as so hurtful. And so obviously grief is an individual journey and you should always check in with somebody before you do anything because you never know how someone's handling it. So I can't speak for everyone grieving, but it does seem to be more of a pattern these days that it is helpful to keep that memory alive because it's all you have left to protect. 
there are even times I get mad at myself because her not being physically present, sometimes it's easy to forget to grab her picture, to put in a family picture. Um, or we plant these little things called Hallie flies, um, wherever we go. And sometimes I'll leave a place and be like, Oh, I didn't plant a Hallie fly. And I or, get really, or we forget to even bring them or with we forget us. to bring them with us. Um, and I, I, the guilt is overwhelming. So, I mean, we're not even great at it. And I say that because I don't want people to feel like scared to talk to us. I don't want this to be like a, Oh, you have to do this certain thing or do it a certain way for us not to be upset with you. Grief is a journey for everybody. The grieving parents or family, and then you've got family and friends that don't really know how to approach it. And so the biggest takeaway for all of this is most people who are grieving a loved one, I think really do want to have them acknowledged in some way. It could just be, Hey, how are you holding up since you lost so-and-so or, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm thinking about so-and-so with you. Um, or just remembering important dates, their birthday, their transition date is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just reaching out to that person. Hey, I know today is the anniversary of whatever. I'm I'm here if you need me. Right. But also recognizing that you don't have to be perfect at it to be there for somebody. I think just the attempt to be there for most people is what really matters. I mean, I can remember the people who... I have a friend who literally forgot it was Hallie's transition date until the day after. And she texted me and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst friend in the world. I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize the date today. I know yesterday was Hallie's transition date. I think about you all the time. And I literally had to say to her, please do not be sorry. The fact that you even feel bad about it means that I know you're thinking about it. And that (laughs) means everything. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be, at least for us, You don't have to be perfect. Just try. Acknowledge. Make sure that you know what they need. Just be there. The attempt is caring. The attempt is everything. It's, it's, you know, the intention or the thought that counts, quote unquote, um, making that known. Because I think you're right. I think you just want to make sure that your loved one isn't left behind. That reminds me of uh, my brother-in-law lost his father suddenly and very unexpected and I, I, I always, you know, wanted to reach out to his mom and, and keep a conversation going. Mm-hmm. And I, that I know on that end, it's so difficult because you don't know what to say, right? right? And you don't know how to word it. And you certainly don't ever want to come across like, are you, are you over that grief yet? Right. Or are you feeling better? Right. You know, there are right. things that phrases that you probably should never say. Right. And so I, I found a way to connect with her. She had told me a story years and years ago, and I, I just took that story and, and just kept it in my heart. And it was something that I was able to bring back after his passing. She had told me something about how much he enjoyed being outside and watching birds. And there was always this special bird with him. It was mm-hmm. a red bird. And, you know, every time he would see this red bird and they would have this conversation, it was very sweet. And so every time I would see a red bird, now I, uh-huh. I started to think about him, even though, it. you know, states away, yeah. I, I started to think about him. And so I, after his passing, I, I 
I thought, you know what? Every time I see one now, I'm going to text her. That's perfect. And say, saw a Redbird this morning and just wanted you to know, I have a feeling he's hanging around. I love that. You know, sometimes just look for the small moments. I've actually had people do something very similar for us where, you know, um, EB is known as the butterfly disease uh, because their skin is as fragile as a butterfly wing. And so you'll hear us talking about butterflies a lot. Um, That's the symbol we always think of with Hallie. And I've had a lot of people do that where they'll text me like, you know, they were at a zoo and there was like a butterfly garden. And so they'll text me a picture of a butterfly they see, or there's a mural somewhere that they see a butterfly and they'll text me that or post it on Facebook in Hallie's group or something. And they'll say, thinking of your sweet baby today or thinking of Hallie Grace today. Um, And I literally tear up with joy every time that that happens because it just means somebody thought of her. That's right. That's all you need. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh, she's still around. People like her memory is still here, not just with us. It also kind of takes, I want to, I just thought of this. It takes some of the burden off of us of carrying her memory on. Mm. And I really thought of that before, but I think it like helps me know that I don't have to do it all. That Joe yeah. and I don't have to do it That's all. That's a good point. You know? Yeah. It like takes some of that weight of like, oh, someone else in the world remembers Hallie Grace. So someone else is carrying it yes. too. Someone else is lifting her light lifting, too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I yeah. think that's another reason why deal. it just is so hugely important and how helpful that can be for somebody. So yeah, I mean, these are things that obviously we'll talk more about um, in detail and we'll talk to different people about because uh, I also don't want it to just be our viewpoint on things. Um, since every situation is different, but I do think that most of the time, from what I understand, people do really like to be reminded that their loved one is being thought of or that you're thinking of them and their loss, you know? Uh, so that's just a really easy way. I think that you can be there for somebody grieving. So you talked about, um, one of the main reasons that you wanted to start the nonprofit, you know, three months, three days with Mm. Hallie Grace, you got to pick up the nonprofit and keep going past that time to continue parenting her. Yes. Continue lifting her and continue honoring her. I, I think as, as we've developed, uh, you know, the idea behind this podcast, I, I think it's the same idea. Yes. Is to raise awareness, to talk about the things, yes. have the conversations to talk about grief and to talk about the journey and, you know, also to, hopefully one day find a cure yes to this horrible disease i mean treatment cure anything we can do to make life easier and to stop this from happening for other families that i mean just getting testing done at yeah. a faster rate so you you know someone's not waiting five weeks yeah and and sometimes longer because it you know depending on where the kid's born you know it may take a few weeks before they even realize that they need to do genetic testing right right so just well, that could Speed have helped that. us in terms of like getting her in a clinical trial and getting her the That's true. trial medication quicker. And I mean, so yeah, all of that is important. I think that we really want to, we loved this podcast idea for multiple reasons. That is obviously a big part of it. And I just think that it's such a lonely journey. I think having other voices out there that that hopefully other parents going through either something with EB or another rare disease or medically complex child or whatever can relate to and be like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. 
Because, I mean, one of the things I want to do on this podcast, which I do on all of our social media, is be as vulnerable, as hard as it is, and honest as possible. I want to um, take the mask off and really, like, talk about how we are not perfect. This is not easy. Um, So that other people can feel like they don't have to be perfect either. You know, that you can have your ups and downs, you can feel opposing emotions, and that that's, that's all okay. I think with the podcast being such a fabulous platform, so, you know, so many people can come to it. It's almost like a table, you know, it's yes. almost like an open table yeah. for all of the things, yeah. for the feelings, for the journey. Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, hopefully there is little pieces that we can all sort of bring together and give back out to the community and to the world to say, how can we help? Yeah. Right. What can we do? Yeah. You know, what's the path look like? One of the things you can do, which I'm very excited about uh, continuing this year, is going to be the ball that's yes. coming up in June on June 9th. Yes. And last year was the, the first, first ball, annual. Yeah. Um, and a, just a ton of money raised yeah. um, and, a, and a ton of awareness raised. And I'm thinking it's going to be bigger and better this year. I'm hoping. Yeah. yeah. And it was a lot of fun. It was so it much was, fun. It was, it was so fun. much fun. And so much beauty. And so, so much, much honor to Hallie Grace oh. and just so much. It was so much of all the things. So, I mean, that was for her first birthday last year. Um, and as a parent of an angel, there's no better way we could have celebrated her birthday than that. Mm. Um, and so again, I, I kind of hope to make that the annual thing. Like we celebrate her. It's kind of the same thing. Like this is our way of parenting her. We're going to help see her grow by watching this fundraising ball happen and raising that awareness, raising that money, having a good time, honoring her, all that beauty there that we saw, the connections. Um, I mean, it was really an event full of joy, to be honest, um, for such a something that we're representing that was so hard, it really came together and so many people just warmed our hearts there. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was an incredible thing to witness. So I'm really excited about this year. I think it is going to be bigger and better June 9th. So her birthday is June 5th. And so we just do it basically the weekend around that. So it'll be June 9th again. Um, it should be a lot of fun again. Um, we have some incredible uh, vendors that donate their space, their time, their food, um, their music. So, you know, you have to come prepared to dance. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if not, then don't come. Because, if you not, know, exactly. You need to, you need you to dance. Have a, little, uh, have a little bit of a good time and let, and let loose. Yes. So we'll be talking more about that, too. Absolutely. And, I, and there are so many ways that you can help within the ball. There are so many ways you can help beforehand. There is a fundraiser going on currently. Uh Um, the fundraiser never stops by the way. It is a constant Uh fundraiser because, you know, it's not just about awareness. It's also about helping families in need right now that are dealing with EB. Yes. And you guys do a lot of that as far as reaching out to those families. Yes. So, um, what we fundraise for um, the big fundraisers, we often do a big donation to the other EB organizations out there that work on research and providing medical supplies and all that stuff. So we will donate large chunks of money. Um, last year, we donated, I got to do math really quick, over $11,000 to three different organizations. Yeah. 
But what we keep the money for in Heroes for Hallie Grace is specifically individual requests. We do a lot of individual connection with families. One of the main, I'm going to say programs we offer, but I don't know if it's really a program, but we do offer free memorial boxes to anyone who has lost a child to EB. Um, very personalized. Um, each box costs about $250. Um, I go on Etsy. I, I make sure I have the child's full name and, and all kinds of very meaningful things that can bring comfort to that family. Because when Hallie passed, uh, so many people from across the globe provided our family with some incredible memorial gifts. It didn't bring her back. It doesn't stop the grief. But those are things that are tangible that we now have all over our house. And so everywhere we look, there is Hallie Grace. And I want to provide that for people who may not be able to get that for themselves or who don't have as many people following their journey. So we do a lot of memorial boxes. And then we just do individual need in case anyone's wondering. Um, we, you know, if there's a family who needs to buy bamboo clothing for their new baby um, or they need, you know, uh, winter gloves that work well with EB skin or, you know, just... I mean, there's an EB family in Italy that reached out about yes. Aquaphor because Italy can't get Aquaphor. That's a big thing that we, so we use just here. So we, we sent them some Aquaphor. Yeah, exactly. So like all that kind of stuff. We even had a, a mother from Morocco reach out because she had no medical supplies for her child. And so I was able to connect her to Deborah International and they were able to get her some supplies. Um, so we're just basically available and we use that funding for... Um, individual connection and being there in the moment with each EB family. That's our, our niche of this, um, EB nonprofit world. Uh, we don't want to compete with any other organizations out there. We feel like we all work together and we just kind of fill in the gap. And you guys are doing uh, such a great job with what, that one-on-one -on -one connection with the families. And, and it is, that is what sets you apart. That, you know, it's really, it's, and it's not just the family that you might run into, you know, somewhere in the hour vicinity of where we live in right. Savannah, Georgia. It's, I'm talking to the lady in Italy. Yes. I'm talking to the mom, you know, here. I'm, I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's just about the individual connection. And I just want to say, um, the reason we do that, the reason we found that to be so important is because the EB community that was out there prior to us, just individual moms reached out to me on social media when we were going through it with Hallie. And I honestly think they saved me through it. Um, they did so much for our family. I'll cry again, but um, they became family. Mm. Family that we've never met, but that I love from the depths of my soul for what they did. And so we want to make sure that any family going through it has that personal connection and knows that somebody is there just even if it's to talk on the phone, you know, we just, we want to provide that because it was so mentally and emotionally important for us to have. And so I'm really modeling that after those beautiful parents that stepped in for us. And gosh, isn't that what it's all about for us to walk through something in life, yeah. go through it, pick up the pieces of learning what we can from it yeah. and then help someone else. Pay it forward, right? right? 
And it, that's really what it is. If you want to be a part of the ball, it's coming up on June 9th. If you want to be a part of the fundraising efforts, there are so many ways you can do it. But the easiest way is probably to go to the website because yes. that's going to be the place that gives you all of the information that you want. Hallieflies.com. Yep. And that's H-A-L-L-I-E. I got it. F-L-I-E-S.com. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. Just click the link. <laughs> Just click the link. Hallieflies.com and the ball will be on June 9th. There's so many ways you can be a part of that too. There's a butterfly release. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're we just need stuff so for many. silent auction. If yeah. Somebody wants the to auction was wonderful. Yeah. So many wonderful things. Um, if you're a vendor and you want to participate in any way. Yeah. We're open for all yep. of that. You know, we can, we can definitely create space for anybody who wants to help. We'll put exactly. it that way. Yeah. Always room for that. And you know, at least, if nothing else, come and dance. That's exactly right. Buy a ticket. Right. <laughs> 100% of what we raise goes straight back into the fight against EB. 100%. And, I mean, that says it all. You know, so many people are looking for ways to help. Now you know where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. Now you know exactly where it's going. Well, on this podcast, we're very excited. We're going to have so many wonderful guests, uh, people in the EB community, mm-hmm. families. We're going to be talking to a lot of medical staff. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about rare diseases. Yeah. And we're going to continue to talk about the journey of grief and, and what that looks like and feels like. And I, I'm excited for where this is going. I'm really glad we're sitting down and having these conversations. I feel like a lot of people are going to be touched by these conversations. I hope so. I hope so. Well, thank you, Dee, for being as awesome as you are and being able to do this. <laughs> hey. Yeah. For I, I think that you have done a very good job, and I'm hoping that moving forward you will all see that this is a very good um, representation of Hallie, Grace, Grief, and grit mm. describes her and our journey perfectly. Um, and that's really what we're going to be delving into, hopefully in a very beautiful and honoring way. So we appreciate you helping us figure all this out. My pleasure. This is, uh, this is my way of getting to know uh, a child I'll never know in person. Yeah. But I feel like I, I know her in my heart. So uh, this is, it's a beautiful, beautiful way. I'm I'm enjoying where we're headed with this. And of course, make sure you share this podcast with someone you know. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. It's so rewarding to know that we can all do something with the journey for a cure for EB. If you're asking yourself, but how can I help? then you've come to the right place. The second annual Hallie Grace Memorial Butterfly Ball is coming up so soon, and it's going to be amazing. It's a chance for you to help. June 9th at the gorgeous Savannah Station at 6 p.m. June 9th, Savannah Station, 6 p.m. Tickets are still available, and 100% of the proceeds go to the fight for EB. That's research, go to the fight for a cure and comfort packages for families going through similar experiences in the form of emotional support, finding resources, or providing much needed medical supplies or special clothing. Wouldn't that feel amazing to know you were helping families just like Ann and Joe's, helping families around the world. So go ahead and grab your ticket at hallieflies.com. That's H-A-L-L-I-E flies.com, hallieflies.com. And if you can't make it to the ball in person, go to the website, make a donation. Every donation gets us closer. How else can you help? Share this episode with someone you know. 
We are more hopeful than ever that a much needed cure is in reach.